Hi, welcome to Homegrown, a podcast from Keep Indiana Learning. Before we get going with today's episode, I wanted to let you know that we've locked in the dates for the 2022 Virtually Different Summer Conference. Go ahead and mark down June 14th and 15th and make plans to join us. You can find out more and hear any new announcements at keepindianalearning.org slash summer conference. Now on to what you've all come for, educators making transformational change right from within their classroom. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hi, welcome to the Homegrown Podcast from Keep Indiana Learning. I'm Lena Darnay, a professional learning specialist, and I'm so excited to have Courtney Flessner joining me as a co-host today. Courtney, hi. Hi, Lena. <laughs> Courtney is also a professional learning specialist with the Keep Indiana Learning team. And today, our special guests are some of the most amazing women. So back um, a few months ago, we started working with a DE&I tactic team through Keep Indiana Learning, and I was connected through Break Free Education to two brilliant classroom teachers who are really taking the chance to make change from inside the classroom. They have started the Lab Education, that's the Louisiana Anti-Bias Education. Raven and Selena, would you introduce yourself for us, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, hi, so I'm Raven Cole. Um, and so we are a part of um, Louisiana Anti-Bias Education. So we founded this, um, I guess it's almost been about a year now, Selena, almost a little over a year. Um, and we, things have spiraled since then. So Louisiana Anti-Bias Education, we're an organization by teachers for teachers. Um, and our whole mission is to empower educators to actively challenge bias and racism while embracing diversity. So so that's our whole goal. Um, and we do this through quite a few ways. We offer professional development. We do some mentoring. We offer resources. Um, but we do this together. So Selena, you want to introduce yourself? Hey, y'all. I'm Selena Gilbo. And yes, I um, I am a teacher, I guess, right now. I don't, I don't really have a classroom. I'm part of the leadership team at my school, master teacher. But working with English and social studies and have had the opportunity to really work with students and that that work has really where you know lab came from um actually to be honest lab came from i would say raven and i's friendship um we we met each other at um lsu um louisiana state university and uh we were both in our undergrad program learning about education and we met these like brilliant minds um our our mentors i call them my teach moms um Dr. Anna West and uh, Destiny Cooper. And we really learned a lot about how to be culturally responsive and how to teach like about, you know, racism and sexism and get students to really learn about their community and research it and then respond um, with what they've learned that year, doing some critical participatory action research project, CPAR. And so they started this program called um, uh, English Amped at this time, but it's now Humanities Amped. And it started in McKinley High School in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And so we were pre-service teachers working under them. And they were just, they were just like blowing our minds. They had like the students attend conferences. The students were speaking at conferences. Um, the students were researching issues in their communities. They were um, like, like speaking with guest speakers and, and talking with his mentors to build these projects. And then eventually 
have like this community presentation where they like hosted their own conference and presented their research and anyone was able to come in like community members and their mentors came and attend. It was just like mind blowing. And like these kids, we've watched them grow up and they're just so phenomenal. And so we're pre-service teachers. We watched all of this and we're like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And so like, this is what we want to be. So the next year we start teaching um, and all of that just kind of, it hits, right? Because these teachers, they've been teachers for years, but we're pre-service teachers. And we're also trying to figure out how to pass out handouts without losing 30 minutes of classroom time. And so we're just like, ah! and so there was so much stress on like trying to be like them. Like we really, I remember that over and over and over again, we would say that, oh, we could just be like Anna and, and Destiny. And oh, I just, Anna and Destiny and feeling like we just kind of like failures in a sense that we weren't like that our first year out the gate, even though we knew we saw it all, we knew what we can do. Yeah. And if I can interject, Selena, the other thing that is relevant here is, um, so during that kind of like almost first, um, few years, um, a lot of things happened in Louisiana at that time. Um, a man named Alton Starling was killed by police in our city, which resulted in a lot of, um, civil unrest in our city. Um, we also had a historic flood in 2016 that came through and destroyed, um, much of our community. And so we were dealing with students facing homelessness. We were dealing with students that, you know, had a lot of anger at, you know, community members being harmed by police. We had, you know, people just felt really unsafe and all of that trickled into our classroom, right? Like, I think we were both teaching English at the time. Selena was Mm -hmm. also teaching African-American studies. And it was just like, how do you teach English when all of these things are happening? And um, I think those like few years really were instrumental in us understanding the importance of cultural relevancy, right? And including your students' lives in um, your classroom. And Mm -hmm. so since then, we've kind of moved. So sorry, Selena, I didn't mean to interrupt the story. You tell it so well. Um, But yeah, so we we were at the beginning of our teaching years trying to grapple with these huge issues while, you know, teaching, you know, the American dream in literature classes, right? Yeah. And then like really there. So what, where we stopped like putting so much stress on ourselves, because it really was a lot of stress. We're like, why aren't we like that yet? Why don't we have that figure? Why don't we have guests in our classroom? Why aren't our kids in conferences? Like all of that. Um, We finally kind of let that go. And we're like, okay, we can't do that yet. Right. Because they had like, what, how many years of experience? Like 15, 20 years of experience over ours, like months. And so we were like, okay, well, if you can't do that, well, let's at least have a story that has like some diversity in it. Let's read that. Let's, we'll start there. And then we, we started that. Well, let's have the students, like we'll, we'll help the students do. Um, I remember Raven, you did this really well with, with one of the, um, unfortunately school shootings, you can help me articulate this better, but there was a school shooting and their students wanted to do something and you help them with the school-wide event, right? Yeah. Do you remember that? Right, yeah, absolutely. You know, just helping students express, you know, what's what's yeah. happening and being engaged um, with what's going on with their community. So helping them plan events, helping them figure out what do we do, right? When yeah. we are, you know, terrified because school shootings are happening and we don't even know what that looks like in our community. So what do we do, right? Yeah. Right. But long story short though, over the years, um, we have learned to support each other in our growth. 
and have given ourselves grace to understand you can't do Anna and Destiny out the gate. There's time, there's skills, there are things that develop, you know? And so we've really supported each other and have had a lot of conversations about our, you know, practice as educators and how to develop that. And then um, in the summer of, was it 2020? Everything's a blur with um, the pandemic and with, George Floyd. Um, let me know if I'm getting my years mixed up here, but um, okay. Thank you. And so we Raven actually was really good at this. She was thinking um, like, Hey, we got to do something. Our school needs support. And so she reached out to our superintendent at the time and said, Hey, we needed, I think we need to support our teachers. We're going to, a lot of conversations are going to need to be had. And so, um, and our teachers need support. And so they had asked that we present and share as teachers uh, presenting to our district. And so we shared and everything. And then from there, teachers were reaching out with like, hey, I kind of need help with this. I'm kind of nervous about this. And so we were like, oh, wait, I think people, this is might be a need. And so that's kind of where lab education came from. And so we've kind of found a way to kind of articulate our friendship over the years and share that with other teachers and how to help them start their own practice and give themselves grace, but not in a way of being comfortable to comfortable, still push yourself, but, um, you know, understand that not everything can happen in one day. There's growth, you know, we but- say all the time. Um, we are, we are an organization, an organization that's all about baby steps, right? We are all about the baby steps and what those look like. Right. Exactly. But yeah, so that's lab education. It's really our friendship that has yeah. evolved. <laughs> you know, what I loved hearing is you're talking about, um, Anna and destiny, Anna and destiny and how they inspired you. Right. And this notion of, we can't be Anna and destiny the year after we graduate <laughs> from college, despite really wanting to, but I also love that they inspired you to want to, um, make things happen. Um, no matter the circumstances. So I'm curious, I, I taught undergrads for seven years and I would come across students that I had taught who were teaching things like the opposite of kind of what they were taught. And I would be like, why are you doing that? And a lot of times they would say, well, I, I was told that we don't do that at our school. So I sort of changed my conversations with the students where I was like, you need to do this at your school, no matter what you're told, because you guys, you all are learning the newest stuff. You're learning the the newest research. So it's your responsibility to go in there and say, hey, this is this is let's give this a try, you know, and not do what we've always done. So how did you how did you do that with, you know, maybe reluctant teachers that were like, mm, no, we don't we don't do that here. Was that an obstacle you ever came across? <laughs> you mind if I take this one, Lena? So um yeah, so I will say that at a few of at the schools that I've worked at, I have been that teacher a few times, right? And I say that I think a lot of people know what I mean. Teachers know what I mean when I say that. I've been that teacher where um, you know, people are maybe a little hesitant about the things that you're doing in your classroom and they don't necessarily understand them. Um, I remember I think it was my first or second year teaching. Um, the department gave me a um an award that said something like um most likely to have a final that's holding hands in a circle and talking about your feelings or something like that. And I was like, Oh, right. And so, but honestly, like, you know, um, the thing is though, 
I have been someone that you're, you're scared to do the work. Right. Um, and so you, we haven't said this yet, but this is a podcast. So I am a white woman. Selena is black. And so that does play a huge role in the way that, um, you know, we interact with our students in Southern Louisiana, right? Especially because we deal with um, these heavy topics like racism all the time. We encounter them because of what's happening in our community, but also because of sometimes the subjects that we teach, right? Literature, we're constantly battling these really heavy critical things. And so um, my thing is though, I have always kind of been one to say, uh, yeah, you got to do it anyway. And I will ask for forgiveness later if it's an issue. Right. And I've been very fortunate to have found, um, some really great support, um, and have had some really strong leadership that has, has kind of at least been in some ways an ally and heard me out. Like maybe they didn't fully understand, you know, Hey, our students, right? It was actually the Marjorie Stoneman shooting, um, if I'm remembering what you're talking about correctly, Selena. But um, that happened, and my kids were just like, "We need to have. I want to have a protest. I want to have. You know, I want us to have a walkout. They wanted to do all of these things. And in the end, um, my principal was so nervous about this, right? Because they were nervous about community pushback uh, regarding this. And so, um, in the end, they heard us out though and said, you know, there's a compromise here. Can we have a memorial? And then can we also have maybe your students do something that's like about community change that's like through a club? And as a result, a club started, right? So it was something where like we found little opportunities, right? Where there was pushback and we were hesitant. And again, maybe we didn't go, we didn't immediately stage a, a walkout. Right. But maybe did we create flyers that eventually led to some community meetings that eventually led to like our students starting an organization, which was cool. Right. Um, so, yeah, like I think like having finding the support and finding those little opportunities has been like a really important um, part of this work. I think to add to that also is just witnessing it is what has been like my like North Star, because I, I don't I Raven, I talk about this all the time. If we didn't have that experience as under, um um, pre-service, as, uh, pre-service, thank you. Pre-service teachers, we would have had, at least for me, for sure, I would have had a different experience. I think I would have still tried to have a fun, engaging classroom, but I don't think I would have understood what it means to be like responding to students' lives and like really impacting and having them think critically about their community. And so I witnessed that, but in such a simple way, like for example, story circles is something that um, we've witnessed it is so impactful and so simple and so the concept is that it's from Junebug production from New Orleans Louisiana and uh, the concept is very simple you just sit in a circle and one at a time share a circle in response to a prompt so for example tell about a time where your perspective change everyone can respond to that you know and so you go around the room and you share this perspective this is something we 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 have been determined to start every school year with like first day or two, we do this. And so every time that has done a lot for us in building community, and um, it has also done a lot as English teachers, we use this as a kickoff for assignments, or even as use this as a kickoff for research topics, because we'll see what stories students share. And then from there, like, oh, well, let's research these topics. And um, from there, they're they're pulling resources to look further. They're collecting data from their community, and then they're you know making projects and proposing further out. For me, uh, with ninth graders, I've used that as an opportunity to kick off their first like longer writing assignment, which might be a personal narrative, 
where they might choose to write out that story or choose another one. And so it's like, and then there's so many options with that too, but like that has done so much for community and building and like just creating a sense of vulnerability and trust, which is needed for learning, right? In order to learn, you have to struggle at something. And so kind of being vulnerable together really creates, helps develop that safe space for learning. And it has been so impactful every year, virtual and in person. So like stuff like that, where I'm like, I know it's possible. I just got to remember that, that I witnessed it and- and so just like, that's my North star. I'm like, we did it. We did it. We just got to keep doing it. So I'm imagining a story circle with teachers. I was thinking the same thing. Like one of the things that we talk a lot about, Courtney and I work together on a team to teach teachers. And I wonder about that collective teacher efficacy, right? We yeah. always talk about like, you've done it before. It worked before you can do it again. You are making an impact. It's so mm-hmm. hard this year. And hearing you two speaking about these big needs in the classroom, not just with the pandemic, but socially and, you know, safety wise and and big transitions with, um, you know, recently in Kentucky, our big tornadoes that came through, like those, those families are feeling what you were talking about with the flood. So how as teachers together as a team, but then uh, collectively as lab, how are you serving teachers right now to help keep them to feeling like they are making an impact? They, this is worth it. You can keep teaching English in the midst of all of this. So I think lab does this in a few ways. And um, the biggest thing though, is that I, there's always, there's always something going on, right? There's always something going on in the community that's preventing us from being like, oh, we're today we're reading, you know, of mice and men, and we're only going to focus on of mice and men. Like there's always something, right? There's always something. And so um, for us, what this has looked like is, is a few different things. So first of all, um, so I'm actually, I'm, you know, I teach media arts, right? And, but before that I was a literature teacher. And um, for us, this has been creating support systems, right? And creating community. Um, lab education are one of our biggest things that we, we teach about. We have what we call our six foundations, right? And our six foundations are kind of the, the building blocks of anti-bias education, right? And so um, one of our big ones is community. So self and community are, are the first ones we really focus on and um, creating a sense of community with educators and also making sure teachers have people to talk to right? And maybe that's in person, maybe that's your professional learning community, um, maybe that's on Twitter, right? Maybe that's in the, the groups that you join. Um, Selena and I, we have been so fortunate. I am like the luckiest person in the world to have met Selena when I was in college, that this is one of my best friends. Um, but also we have been like co-teachers and we have taught together. And so we have had to really figure out what that looks like of being someone's friend and helping them through these, like what we're saying, big, heavy topics, right? But also being professional and working in a situation where, you know, sometimes you can't just be buddy, buddy, right? Sometimes you have to be very professional. So creating that sense of community, I think is a big one. Um, Selena, what were you going to say? Sorry, I didn't, didn't want to. No. no sweat. No, I was literally going to say the same thing about our six foundations too. Like, like you said, there's always something. They got a hurricane, tornado, pandemic, there's something, right? And so, but what doesn't change, I think is our foundations that we kind of came up with. And so all of them are evidence, transparency, growth, boundaries, self and community. And so these are the things that we always teach us. And like, if you practice and um, have awareness of these things, that that's what we would consider like anti-bias education. 
And so like in dealing with all conversations, there should be focus on a piece of evidence, for example, right? Like thinking about like, if you're talking about like uh, the, um, the Capitol, right? January 6th, those conversations should be around what we know, not what we're just assuming or what we think happened. So like, who was there? What day of week? What day of week is it? You know what I mean? Like things that are things in order to facilitate the conversation and not just, well, I think blah, 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 blah. Well, I, I'm wondering about how I feel. It's like, okay, yes, what was happening in order to facilitate the conversation and determine whether it was an insurrection or does that fit the definition or not? You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, another piece of that is, like Raven said, building that community and being transparent with them, right? This is difficult for me. This is hard. And acknowledging that boundary, our other transparent, our other foundation and doing something about it. You know what I mean? And so, and just being aware of what you do and don't know. The same thing of when you're teaching a book, I'm supporting some teachers right now who are teaching uh, Life of Pi coming up and they're not familiar with some of the culture mentioned in the book and the religions and whatnot. And like, let's take the time to no, we know we don't know. So now let's know. So that's an example of like, these are the things that are shifting, but boundaries and evidence and transparency are the things that we can rely on to kind of get through what we're doing. So to kind of sum it up though, we teach our, our foundations and our workshops and, and when we're presenting, and then hopefully be able to continue to share that in an up and coming um, podcast. We're hoping to plan out in a couple months. So you know, and it's not even, as soon as you said earlier, how do you teach, you know, I can't remember what you said, English or what a, a book, when all these things are happening, I feel like that's like a day to day thing because we live in such a fast paced world where information can be shared instantly and, and change just as fast to make it convenient for whoever wants to hear whatever the information is. And I feel like that's something that teachers are also dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And I don't know, not all teachers are ready to like embrace that, (laughs) you know, like I started my teaching career 25 years ago and, you know, we were not learning about things instantly (laughs) 25 years ago. And so you had time to sort of like take in an idea and make changes for your kids as necessary is not like that anymore. So, um, I'm wondering how do you, how do you keep the teacher sort of aware of you have to be on top of your kids and that's not an exhausting thing. That's a reality of the world we live in. Do you have examples of, um, situations like that, that you've worked with, with teachers? Yeah. Um, so the first thing is, um, I cannot imagine just starting my teaching career in 2020 and having to deal with all of the insanity that was 2020, right? Hybrid teaching, dealing with the pandemic, dealing with the political fallout, like this is insane, right? Um, And so I will say, I just, you know, I already just feel so much for our new newest teachers. Um, and I think they need the most support, right. And we should all be like, they're willing to support them. Um, that being said, yeah, I am not going to ever tell a teacher, 
hey, so you need to be on Twitter at least four hours a day so that you can keep up with the current events. Because if you don't keep up with the current events, I'm never going to tell them that because I think it is super overwhelming. Um, and I think there's this expectation sometimes with teachers to do it all, right? And you should know it all and you should be able to, you know, do all of this. And if you can't and, you know, then you are a failure, right? I think we expect a lot of our teachers, this kind of martyr culture, um, I think is a really uh, big issue in our industry and in our profession. And so um, I'm never gonna be telling a, t a teacher that, right? But I will say that I think it's important that when you do encounter, um, you know, how these big things like such as the pandemic or, you know, current events such as someone being killed in your community, if you see that that's affecting your classroom, I do think it's time for you to tackle it, right? Um, and do it in baby steps, right? You're not going to probably do a full story circle or full dialogue on day one, right? But can you give them a snippet of a um, excerpt of an article? Can we analyze the snippet of the excerpt of the article, right? Can we do that as a bell ringer for 10 minutes? Um, and yeah, I think you can. I think most teachers can do that. And so um, we, we deal with a lot of hesitant teachers. Um, there is definitely a culture of fear, I think right now that's happening because of the push pushback from communities with, you know, CRT, right? Um, there's huge pushback with that. And there's a huge culture of fear and teachers are scared. They don't want to lose their jobs and they, you know, and also everything's being recorded now because everyone's online, right? So it's really scary. Um, but that's why I think the baby steps are important. And I think it's finding where you're comfortable and also assessing where you are right? Um, you said you had 25 years of, of teaching experience, right? Like sometimes it's it's time to take a step back and one of our foundations self here. Um, where are you? How comfortable are you? What is your, your knowledge, right? You're probably not going to take on a huge dialogue that's about, you know, um, like the insurrection, like Selena was saying, like you might not talk about a huge political thing like that um, because maybe you're not ready, but what do you know about, right? What can you talk about that's culturally relevant? Um, Selena, you have anything to add to that? No, totally. Um, I was working with some teachers before um, and they were preparing to teach a lesson before dying and um, all of which are white teachers. And they're like, and they admitted to me, like, I'm worried. I, and I was like, excellent. I was like, I'm so happy you said that. I was like, what I think you should do is write down everything that makes you nervous, write it all down. What are you, what you're afraid you're going to say, whatever it is. I don't ever need to know it. You do. You need to be aware of what these feelings are because it, it affects how you facilitate the conversation, you know, cause it, um, you know, if you're, uh, if you are anticipating something that makes you nervous, you might shut it down, but what does that shut down look like to your students? So for you, you're like, okay, I'm just moving forward. But to them, it's like, well, you know, it might mean, well, do, am I wrong for thinking that? Or why is my opinion not worth hearing? Or why is this topic not worth hearing? Perfect example um, is my first year uh, of teaching. I, I saw this a couple of days ago. I was looking back through my journal that I was writing in. And I had a grammar quiz that I had given out and I was terrible at it. And apparently there are a lot of errors in that quiz and the kids found them. And they were like, they were like, hey, uh, this question says, and I looked through my journal and apparently I admitted to 
uh, yeah, I just shut it down and made it look like they had, um, they were the ones causing a disturbance. I was like, all right, kids, y'all, everybody should be, everybody be quiet. Nah, nah, nah. Like it was my, like I was trying to like get around it. And what was really happening was that I was embarrassed that I, what I did was wrong. And instead of admitting to that or, you know, well, yeah, admitting to that and be like, you know, we'll try this again the next day. I'm going to make some corrections and come back at it. I um, deflected and I displaced my frustration, put it on them. And it was really with myself. And so the same situation could happen when you're facilitating these conversations. But grammar, that might, you know, hmm, whatever. But bigger topics that are really relevant to their kids and how they feel, they have a lot of personal connections to things you know if we're talking about like police brutality it's like well wait my dad's a police officer right or you know my brother was arrested or whatever it is there might be their connection it's going to be a little more personal we need to treat them more delicately so i think you know and just being transparent about where you are you know let's i don't really you know know about that right now but let's pick it up tomorrow Right. Or um, like, that's one of my favorites is like, hey, let's pick this up tomorrow. I'm going to look into it. I'm going to pull another article and give them something else to discuss them in connection. Like give yourself that time. Let's admit to it and not try to facilitate something and pull something out of your hat where you're not ready for it. Um, and being like, oh, you know what? Let's look into that together. Let's research it together. And just being really real about where you are and not in a sense of I'm giving up, but like, let's do it together moving forward and just admitting to that. I did that for my first year of teaching African-American studies straight up. They were like, Hey, we had somebody who taught it. You're the only black person I know who probably could teach this class. Well, I'm so serious. It was like, you're black. I think you could teach it. I taught English. I had no interest in teaching social studies. And I had to spend the summer researching. I was stressed. I cried so many times researching, preparing for the class. It stressed me out. And I got one day full of sweat pit stains. I was just like, I can't do this. It's stressing me out trying to present myself as an expert in this course. And so the next day I just stood in the front. I was like, look, y'all, they asked me to teach this class. And I just, I I'm down, I'm down for the grind, but like, I'm, I'm not as much as an expert and I don't want to present myself that way, but let's do it. And, and they, applauded that was not something I was expecting but they did and it actually ended up being a really good class and like one of the students the next year didn't she write about my class in your she did yeah Yeah. she did but I think that goes to show though like again so we talk a lot about transparency is important in the class it's a really important thing and Selena's vulnerability in that moment of admitting maybe like okay I don't know I don't have all the answers here that was a huge learning moment for those kids right that was a and for Selena too right but also a huge moment of like maybe that was the first time that an adult had modeled it's okay to be wrong sometimes as long as you follow up with like, let's take the right steps to find the answer. Um, yeah, they wrote an essay about you, Selena. <laughs> that, hey, that's the power of vulnerability right there. Like how much the kids learned from you going through that process with them. There, there's some serious takeaways there. That's really cool. Teachers need to hear that often. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I did just want to say, and this is something I think like every single time we're on a podcast or we do like a live stream, I'm like, I have to say this. Um, So to any teachers that are out there right now and they're like, I want to start doing anti-bias or anti-racism work. um, I just want to tell you now, you're going to mess up. 
you're going to mess up. That's going to happen, right? But that doesn't mean you don't do the work. Um, and in fact, you know, that's even more of a reason to do the work, right? Is because it's it's hard to do and because you're probably going to mess up. But I don't want that to prevent anybody um, because I know, again, as a pre-service teacher, watching our mentors do these giant, huge, wonderful projects with their kids, I was scared to do those things um, because I knew I was going to mess up. And so the thing is, it's okay to mess up. Up, be transparent with your kids, do the work to follow up of, okay, so I've said something wrong, or I told you something wrong. Here's what we're going to do about it. Here's how we're going to find the real answer. So I just wanted to say that because I know for me as a pre-service, that was a really important thing that no one really told me. It's okay. You're going to be wrong. Yeah. Well, and that's why growth is one of the foundations too, right? So one of the things totally. that I think is really fascinating when we're talking about this is um, teaching is a practice, right? Like we call it the practice of teaching, which means you don't get it right really until you're done practicing, right? Like so, and even then, like we, we look back on our teaching careers and we're like, oh, if I had only known then what I know now, but the only way we know now what we didn't know then is that we went through it, right? right? And so when, what I used to tell my students when I would run makerspaces and a lot of the hands-on STEM work is it's not that mistakes are okay, because that still seems like you're not supposed to make them. But I would say, I need you to, mistakes are expected. Please write down all the awesome mistakes that you made today so that tomorrow we can take next steps. And so telling teachers that too, like yeah. mistakes are expected, like, and then look for them and be like, oh, look, I found one, right? Like in my grammar quiz, I had hidden grammar moments that you could have found. And, and I think that's such a powerful way to unlock the stress of trying to be perfect or trying to be that expert is to say like, we are all practicing together and practice means that we're working to get better. Mm -hmm. So thank you for being part of our practice here. Now we are going to wrap up soon, which is um, terrible for me. I could talk to you ladies Seriously. for hours, right? <laughs> um, but uh, Raven, you started to go into some of those, like, if you want to get started, kind of like tangible baby steps that our teachers that are listening, our leaders who are listening, like if you had to have like a top five list of like those things that you could do to get started in our practice of anti-bias education, what would those be? Don't get hung up on the number. Ooh, okay. So first of all, or top three, that's fine. <laughs> so I will say, uh, first step is, um, come and find lab education on social media. Uh, so at lab education underscore on Twitter and at lab education on just about every other social media. Um, because if you don't have a community to go to, to, Hey, I want to get started. What do I do? We're that community. We're your people now. So please reach out to us. Um, because it is hard to do it alone. Um, the second thing I would say, is you, it's really important to do kind of a self inventory right before you get started. Um, I could see Selena's already, cause that's what we do this all the time. And again, like I'm, I'm someone where I think people, you know, te other teachers come to us and they're like, kind of think that we're like some super experts with all the answers regarding anti-bias and anti-racism stuff. And it's like, no, I mess up all the time. But what I do is I have a very reflective practice, right? And so, especially because I, I said this before, like I'm a white woman in the deep South and um, there was a lot of unpacking of my own like white supremacy in my own brain. The things that I had like learned, like 
you know, from my family, from my, the culture that I was in that I needed to unlearn. And there was also a lot of stuff that I needed to learn about history in my community. Right. And so I think it's important for you to take a self-assessment, right? Like who you are as a person and what are the, you know, Selena and I talk about what are the visible parts of your identity and the invisible parts of your identity. And Make sure you're aware of that because you need to be aware of, first of all, how you're being perceived by your kids, by your students in your class and by your community. Um, but then also like, how are those things affecting you? So I'm going to start with those, those things first. Selena, did you want to jump in? I didn't want to take all the, all the spots, all the top three spots, but yeah, I'm trying to see if we're doing our like brain thing. Cause that was my first thing. I was like, you got to self-reflect like they, like I told a teacher, write it down and then whatever you do with it, burn it. I don't care, but you need to be aware of it. Um, but I think the next thing after that is like making a baby step in any direction, just kick it off. Cause I, I found like when Raven and I released that stress of trying to be like our mentors that once we started, we were rolling and you really, once you, cause you like build that confidence, you're like, Oh, I can do that. And then you do it and you're like, I can do this. And then you kind of do some more. And so, um, I mean, I would just say like that, that baby step. And then once you do the baby step, whatever it is, if that means, you know what, I'm going to put, um, I'm going to ask students for their pronouns, or I'm going to, you know, include like improve the diversity in the text in my, in my class, or I'm going to have like bell ringers that talk about events happening in the world, like whatever your baby step is, you decide, but then reflect on it. How did it go? How did you feel about it? What made you nervous? What could you do better next time? What, what were you like killing? Because that happens. You're doing good because you did it. And then, um, and then, okay, what can we do now moving forward? Like what's our next thing? Are we going to do it again? Are we going to do something different? Like And that. setting those goals, I think are really important. I'll go ahead and like, let me just have this vulnerable moment of like, here's, here's what I'm doing. Right. Um, in my class right now, my goal, um, is going to, going to be all about essential questions and driving questions. That's my, how I'm pushing and challenging myself. Um, this coming semester is I want to make sure that I have essential questions for the course that are related to my students' lives and to all of these outside things. Cause I teach media arts. So I went, from literature where all the themes in the world, I could teach these things. And now I'm like, oh my God, what does that look like in my class? I don't know what this looks like. Um, and so that's the thing that I'm doing is I'm pushing for um, essential questions and trying to come up with activities that are related to my essential question. But what Selena was saying, I, I'm a big fan of the bell ringer the bell ringer of your class. There's a lot of opportunity, I think, um, in the first like 10, 15 minutes of your class to maybe start a quick conversation. Um, the thing though that I will say is that if you're looking for something in this coming school year um, or for next semester is uh, community contracts and setting community expectations. I think that's a really big one um, of the baby step that is easy to implement. Talk about your class. What do you want your class to look like, right? Come up yeah. as a group. Um, what are the expectations of our class? And I, I do this with my class every year. Um, and it really sets the tone for, you know, the rest of the dialogues that we have. And so I really encourage teachers to do that because I think it builds community. I think it, it gives you something to anchor your class and your discussions. Kids love that second question what do you expect of your teacher? And they're like, oh, 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 oh. you want to know what I expect from you? And they're like ready to go on that one. But that one's really good to really generate some conversation. Yeah. And it's like holding everyone accountable 
for the space. I I'm started as off, responsible as you. Exactly. Yeah. I started off, what was the best class you've ever taken? Let them talk. And I go, what was the worst class you've ever taken? And I'm like, it has to be a real class. And I, I asked them that because then it starts them thinking of like, well, what are the behaviors in a classroom that like calls real learning? Or what are the behaviors in a class that disrupt learning? Um, and it works, y'all promise it works. So that's definitely my like go-to activity if you're looking to implement something in the coming I love that too, because that this works for any age level, any content, it doesn't matter. Teachers can be making these same moves and be thinking about those tiny goals and reflecting on how that's going. Very cool. Well, ladies, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the Homegrown Podcast. I feel like I took more notes than... <laughs> And I, I'm just so grateful for you sharing your story, for the work you are doing in your classroom with your students and the teachers of Louisiana, and now hopefully Indiana reaching out to you. Tell us again where we can find you and what's coming up next for lab education. Sure. So um, first of all, you can find us on our website, labeducation.net. Um, there you can find all of our social media is linked, but we are at labeducation underscore on Twitter and at labeducation on like Instagram and YouTube and all the other Discord, everything else. Um, so lab education in the coming semester. So look to our Twitter for upcoming events. We tend to announce things on Twitter. We have lab chat that happens uh, the first Tuesday of every month. Um, um, but also we are looking forward to just partnering with, um, you know, anyone and everyone, right, to build our community um, of educators. So we would love to hear from everyone. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Courtney, for being here with me Thank today. You, I've really appreciated working with you. I am super excited to this podcast will come out right before our uh, dream summit for Keep Indiana Learning, which is on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, January 17th, 2022. And uh, Raven and Selena have just agreed to moderate our PM roundtable discussion with all of our uh, afternoon dreamers. And that is going to be amazing. Find it on our Keep Indiana Learning YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook group. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's the best way to make sure that you are getting the notification for all of our upcoming live streams. And we can't wait to hear more with you and from you at Keep Indiana Learning. Raven, again, Selena, amazing. Thank you for the work you're doing. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Homegrown Podcast. We appreciate all of the work that you are doing out in the schools. It helps us if you can rate or share our podcast with others. And if you subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter, you'll stay up to date with all the latest Keep Indiana Learning information. Did you know that the Homegrown Podcast has a sister podcast? It's Systems Talk, and you can find it at keepindianalearning.org, focusing on the hottest topics and biggest needs for our school leadership, district administrators, and instructional leadership out there working hard to make sure that our teachers have what they need every day. The Homegrown Podcast is powered by the Central Indiana Educational Service Center. We appreciate your support as we serve the educators of Central Indiana.